Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Eye podcast. Um, we're back for our intermediate preview show um, and we're into the quarterfinals this weekend for the intermediate championship. Um, there's four games obviously spread across Saturday and Sunday so we'll just take a run through the games. It's Ballyhagen and Katie in Pearshoe Park on Saturday 3pm. Sarsfields versus Tully Sorn also on Saturday in the Athletic Grounds 7pm. Kerr Cruppen and St Paul's in the Athletic Grounds on Sunday 3.30pm. And Clonagale vs Clonmore in the Athletic Grounds on Sunday at 6pm. Um, three of these games will be on Armagh TV. The only one that's not is the Ballyhagen and Katie game. The other three are all in the Athletic Grounds and all on Armagh TV. Um, so we're joined again by Peter Nugent and we're going to take a look at these four games. And try to decide who will get through and who the four semi-finalists will be from these games. Um, and we'll just take it game by game as it comes. Um, starting with Ballyhagen and Katie, as I said, in Ballacrummy on Saturday. Uh, these sides met in the league, Peter. Um, it was I was at this game. It was tight for maybe 50 minutes. And Katie got a goal at the end and a couple of points and ended up winning by six. And maybe when you're looking at the score, it was 2-14 to 2-8. You'd think Katie had it all their own way. But this this could be tight. Peter, especially the confidence that Bolly Hagen's going to come in with after beating White Cross in, in the first round. Yes, yeah, Sean, I think um, you want to see a different Bolly Hagen side now on the, on the back of a big win last week. Uh, no doubt um, there'll be a real buzz about their camp this week, and, and rightly so. And, uh, took on a team at the base of them last weekend and, and won in a really, really tight game. So, like any time you win a tight game, when the, when the game's been ebbing and flowing and going backwards and forth and you're behind and then you're in front and it's always small margins, then you're going to take confidence out of that. So look yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be in a good headspace now this you know, this week in the lead into the game and I suppose it'll just be about getting these ready. Um ready to take on Katie this weekend. So yeah, I think I think they'll be they'll be well up for this this weekend. And as you sort of touched on there, Peter, like it wasn't just their good start that's sort of seen them through White Cross did fight back, and White Cross were actually ahead by a point at half time. But Ballyhagen didn't drop the heads. You could see the belief, they could see their confidence, um, and the pushed on to win the game. Obviously, the three goals that they got was a major help, and they'll be looking at goals this week again to get through this. And there's one man that he got two of the goals last week, and just in fear of maybe blowing him up and um, talking about him too much, Peter, I want to sort of hold back, but. I mean, James McCormick was unbelievable last week and I boasted about him in our review show and I'm going to spend most of this um, this section of the podcast boasting about him again. He's quality forward. I think he's only 18 or 19, but to score 2-5 in a championship match when your team are big underdogs was some going and Katie's going to have their hands full this week with him. Um, in that league game, he was very good that day as well. And a Katie youngster, Shea Harvey, who was a county minor last year, went in and marked him. And you'd imagine that's going to be the same this week again. Paul Dyle's going to put young Harvey into Mark McCormick. And that's a fascinating duel to look forward to. And whoever comes out on top of that, Peter, you'd imagine will give their team a good platform to win the game. Absolutely. Um, I suppose, yeah, James has got a target on his back now. And he's going
and you know they'll probably turn that strength into into a negative in, in that they'll see that well if he can contribute it to five the total if they can make inroads then surely he doesn't have that sort of stay in the game then they're going to put themselves in a really really strong position to to advance to the semi final so I think I think whilst yeah it was great for him to kick the two five last week I think the Katie management will probably be looking at that and saying there's a lot coming off him and uh, if we can get maybe our, our best man marker on him shut the space down in front of him and again maybe a, a higher level of work rate maybe the way Cross be able to bring the table out the field and the, and the pressure that ball going into him um, all them things can have a you know an impact on 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 Curtail and his performance. I'd be I'd be very very surprised if he's if he if he's not spoke about this week in the Yeti camp. I suppose that leaves the question then, Peter. What does the Ballyhagan management do? You know, Peter Torley and his backroom team. Do they do they continue to maybe give as much ball to James McCormick as possible, or do they try to work out scores other ways? Maybe putting. A big man on the edge of the square, for for instance, or what? What do they do to sort of counteract Katie focusing so much on McCormick? Well, look, I think ordinarily, you always, you know, any management team will tell you that they always want a, a you know, a spread of scores coming from a range of positions in the team. Um, those are the teams that you know, tend to do um well the most often. If you're if you're an ant on on one man, um, delivering the guts of the scores, then you know, in any given day circumstances that he can be kept quiet, then you're going to find yourself in trouble. You know, it's, I, I would probably be asking that, that some of the other guys step up this week and, and, and give him a wee bullet. Um, Bolly Hagen usually go with, with a couple of more robust players inside anyway. So, I mean, they, if they can continue to create the foil for him uh, and take the attention of some of the other defenders, as, as it touched on on Monday, like they, they do prefer to go for that direct style of play and they're not afraid to let in along so you know you could even see McCormick maybe even trying to just pick up pick up on secondary balls as well I think if they go with bigger players inside that means that he won't always have to be the target for the first out ball so he can get joy off that as well you know so look I'm sure it's they'll be looking at all week they'll, they'll try to make sure that they have a couple of different means of attack and of course Katie they'd know all about that white cross game and um, I'm sure Paul Doyle or some of his management team was at that game and it's crucial that Ballyhagen don't get off to the perfect start like they did against White Cross. Um, after you know two or three minutes they were already two goals on a point to no score up. So Katie will obviously be targeting that. They'll want the good start and try to limit um, Ballyhagen. They'll not want Ballyhagen to get their tails up early in the game. And another matchup I'm going to talk about here, Peter, is the likes of Eugene McDonnell and Paul Courtney in the middle of the field. Um, Courtney was very good against White Cross and really commended when they needed him. Um, when the tide was maybe turned against Ballyhagen, Courtney would make a big catch or you know dive on a ball in the middle of the field, inspirational stuff to get his men back and going again. And Paul Courtney is partnered by Mel Courtney, his brother in the middle of the field against White Cross. He um, he marked Mark Shields and done so accidentally. But they were missing Mark Hughes, who played midfield for them in that league clash against KD. And he played well that night. And they could possibly have him back for this game. And you would imagine midfield is going to be crucial, um, Peter. it's Obviously, it's a cliche that whoever wins the midfield battle um, goes a long way to winning the game. But do you see... Both teams going long, or what? What do you think will happen here uh, in terms of the middle of the field? Well, uh, you know, looking at having come up against both those 
wee bit of a contrast actually in that Bobby Hagan, yeah, with Johnny McKeever and that, I mean, his, his go-to is to send that ball out and send it long and, and with his with his length of kick-out, that means that Bobby Hagan are actually able to set their midfield uh, a little further up the field than probably the average setup, um, purely on the basis of the distance that McKeever can generate on a kick-out. So, I mean, they're always at an advantage um, in that when that kick-out goes long, it's sitting well in the opposition territory. Um, so that's that's really their preferred means of, of, of getting out. Whereas Katie, um, Katie were as good as, as I had seen the intermediate level last year at working shorts from, from the restarts. They really weren't afraid to commit bodies back in behind their own 50 to create an overload of bodies. And the keeper always would have showed uh, real sense of um, adventure in terms of giving out sort of 50-60% balls, trusting that his defence would take them regardless of the pressure from the opposition forward line. So, you know, I haven't seen them this year. Um, I'm not sure about the tactic they've persisted with, but I know last year their running game for the back was extremely strong. So it could it could well serve to be uh, a clash of styles as opposed to Katie go for that short game. It'll depend on the sort of work rate, the pressure that the body's body hitting forward line can then apply in terms of getting them stopped early. If you allow them to develop their running game, that's when, that's when they can become uh, really dangerous. And Katie up front, sort of the last day out, played two men up front, um, Sean McCabe and Oren Fullerton, um, two absolute rockets, not much size about them, but you'd imagine Katie's going to play that um, short ball into them, and they're real handfuls. Um, Peter, we've talked about Oren Fullerton on this podcast before, uh, it's going to be really difficult for Ballyhagan, they're going to have to get bodies back um, to stop this the, the fastball coming into the likes of McCabe and Owen Fullerton, and obviously if them boys can get enough ball, they're going to do damage. Yeah, look, they, 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 they do have a number of, of, um, of sharp forwards. Or what I did notice, though, was their 80s, you know, not their team last week, they did have a good range of scores, and that probably, again, lines up in contrast with Ballyhagan were, were quite dependent on, on James McCormick, whereas Katie seemed to have greater scores coming from different areas in the field. You would think that that probably... Um, you know, if you're looking at it on the on the balance, you're probably saying, yeah, you'd maybe rather be in Katie's shoes just on the basis that they're not they don't seem to be totally reliant on on one or two forwards to to always pull them out. They seem to be able to get scores from sort of as far back as midfield and half back line, so you know, that would be important. And as usual with our preview podcast, Peter, we're going to do predictions. Um, having seen Ballyhagen last week, I'm now a big Ballyhagen fan. Uh, I thought they were brilliant last week. But you would imagine Katie just will have too much for them this week. Um, they'll have too much quality all around the field. And they've that bit of experience as well that you, you could see them making the semi-finals. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I do think that in the end up Katie will probably do enough here to get through. And I think by they're going to be well boyed. Well boyed by last week. And they'll not be found wanting in, in terms of you know putting their bodies on the line and, and making this a real, a real scrap. But I just think Katie maybe all round with a bit more variation in their game. They're not totally dependent on, on, on one forward maybe or two forwards. They have, as I said, they've not spread. They have good variation on their restarts. I think they can mix maybe their running game a bit better with the kicking game. And I'm going to give Katie the nod to get through there, yeah. And that game is, as we said, on Saturday evening. And another game on Saturday evening is Sarsfields and Tully Sorn. 
Um, two teams I haven't seen this year yet, Peter, so um, just going by reports. Sarsfield seemed to be shifting well. Obviously, when you come into this um, end of the championship, Sarsfield is one of the teams you're immediately going to pick out. They've went on a three-game winning streak in the league after being beat by Clandagay on the first round. They won three games in a row. They beat Colleville last week, um, unconvincingly maybe, but it was just about getting through. And now they meet Tully Sauron this week, and you would say, Sarsfields, they're just going to be favourites heading into this one. Yeah, they will be favourites, rightly so. You, you consider all their experience they've accumulated um, over the years, uh, playing in Division Wrestling 1A. Um, for a while and like running up against the Harps across Mahri Polyhanas of this world, you know, consistently twice a year, three times a year for since really since, you know, two thousand and ten onwards. So like, all them players have accumulated massive, massive banks of, of um of experience. So obviously, yeah, they're one of the favourites. Um and you know it's hard to it's probably hard to look past them. I know both teams were, were well fancy last week to come through and they probably um maybe didn't come through as comfortably as, as as we thought. So I'd say in a way that's definitely sharpened the focus for this week. Um, and there'll probably be a, a level of respect there, you know, between both teams and that they will know that if they're not adequately prepared this week and their minds aren't sharp and the opposition And it's maybe just something worth noting, Peter, that both teams have played four league games. They've both uh, won three and lost one. They both lost their first round ties. Um, they both won their first round of the championship. So they're both coming in similar form, um, similar winning streaks. Having both both teams have won four games in a row. Their last four games, they'll both be coming in with confidence. And I know we are fairly sure that Sarsfields will be going in favourites, but. Tully Sarn, they're coming in, they're on the same level as Sarsfields on league form. They've come through a tight game with Portmore last week, so they'll be coming in with confidence that they can cause an upset. Oh, no, I don't think Tully Sarn will be in the least bit, um, in, you know, in the least bit over, overall by this this weekend. Tully Sarn are, are, are definitely a side that, that seem to be on a good upward trajectory. Um, allude to last week, they had won 2B last year to Canter, really. Um, I don't think they were maybe beaten once over 14 games. Okay, they didn't have a great championship, but you know they probably had achieved what they wanted to achieve for the year. And now they've come up and, as you say, after that first game, they've stuck three on in the bounce. They got through last week, so they they are a team that have been winning more games than they've been losing um, over the last couple of years. And absolutely, they'll, they'll be going there full of confidence on on Saturday night. Um, I, I just noticed that their bench. Um, Seemed to play a part for them uh, last last weekend. Two uh, or three players seemed to come off off the bench in the second half and kick scores, get them over the line. So I always see that as a as a good thing. And that you know, so we we indication of squad depth and, and players that are hungry to make a mark. So I'm sure I'm sure things would be interested in their camp. You know, this week they're coming in having probably underperformed a wee bit last week, and that that always leads to a wee bit of a spike for the next game. Obviously, something Tully Sarn are going to concern themselves this week is the forward line that Sarsfields hold, and a lot of talk is often about the, of course, the McGowan brothers, Paul and Eamon. Um, I think they put together maybe one eight or one nine between them last week. Um, and you've the likes of Kevin McAllen there, Keelan Skelton, 
you know, um, Mickey Stevenson. Tough players to come up against at that level. And as you alluded to there, these boys have all played at senior championship level for the last, whatever, five or six years, maybe more. They're so experienced at that level. They know what it takes to play at that level. And Tully Sarna just going to, it's going to be a concern trying to keep keep this forward line quiet. It is. Um, look, Sarsky's, Sarsky's forward line is, is as good as a lot of forward lines probably at the at the upper end of Division One, so they'll not um, they'll they'll be they'll be believing in themselves. They'll know that they have the ammunition there to get to get through on any given day. Um, again, last last week they they probably they, you know they're probably just allowed to get over that game last week and to get moving in the championship. And there would have been pressure coming on them last week purely on the on the basis of the scoring that they won uh, against Colville the first day so I'm sure they're, they're pleased to be in the quarter final uh, it's a team they probably don't have much much recent history with so it's a fresh game it's, it should be a good game for the neutral and that two teams that you know carry attacking threats and probably want to play their football on the front foot so it should be good it should be interesting uh, interestingly I don't think Sarsfield's record in the athletic rounds is, is, has been too hot and I know they've had to play most of their games in, in the senior championship but something you touched on there Peter um, a point you made that these sides have no recent history I suppose does that leave it a bit more I don't know open going into this game that there's no grudges or there's no sort of revenge or you know obviously no recent history can you just sort of open up a wee bit and you don't know what to expect yeah well I mean uh, yeah obviously, obviously Sean yeah um, I'm sure there's maybe some some lads that have went to school together and things, or maybe played together under age or schools. But you know, in terms of the, you know the two senior teams entities, you know, they're not not to my knowledge that, that there would be much um, recent history between them. So yeah, it should it should open things up. Um, I would say there there just be a you know a feel of we're in a quarter final here. We're we're two steps away from a final, and, and let, let's go out and try and make it happen. I think we're going to both be in agreement, Peter. This should be an interesting game, a tight game, but you'd expect Sarsfields to come through it. Yeah. Uh, yes, I do, I do think Sarsfields will have enough to cover the spread, but um, I don't think they'll have it all their own way. I think Polly Starn are more than capable um, with the likes of the Collins there, Eddie Mall, uh, Daly at midfield. Um, Kelly at the back's a really good sticky mom marker. He'll probably um, be detailed, but maybe on Kelly McElinton up front. Um, but look, at the end of the day, Northeast do have um, they have proper depth, proper depth, especially in their forward line. And you know, you would feel that the longer the game goes on, probably the more quality that they'll be able to you know bring into the game and keep in the game. And I'm just thinking if, if Bully Sarn last week, you know, they, they seem to labour to get past four more. It's probably going to take a real, real, real improvement on their part, you know, to think about winning the game. So just on that sort of form line, I'm just, just think Sarn is to get it done, yeah. 
And then that game's obviously on Armagh TV, and Sunday's game's going to be on Armagh TV as well. And um, this is Kerr Cruppen and St Paul's. And just before we get into it, Peter, I want to thank Focus, Strength and Conditioning, and Lurgan for sponsoring our preview of this game. And this is a game, both sides, like this is a huge chance to get into a semi final, Peter. Both teams, you would say, would be fairly confident that they can get through this one. St Paul's probably just edging it um, in the fact that they're a Division 2A team. But Kerr when they have all the form. They haven't been beat this year yet. They've won three of their four league games, drawn the other one. They obviously got through the college lawn test last week. So this is a big game, Peter. A huge opportunity for both clubs to get through the semi-final. Yeah, opportunity for both teams. Um, I suppose... Paul's if you uh, over them, you know, the card of you have to beat a, a struggling port of down and then a two beach side to get to the semi final, I'm sure they would have put your hand off that all day. Um on the flip side of that, Jack Cruppen are as we've talked about anyway, they're on the crest of a wave and they're they're probably just gonna continue to get better and better if that group stays together. So, you know, this could be another another watershed type moment for them, um, playing a, a team that have you know, been at the, the higher end of 2A probably for the last three to four years. Uh, and they're a team that contains players that have already won the intermediate championships. So, yeah, I think it's two teams coming in from a different perspective, though, and that, you know, Cruppen, this is this is just, you know, they'll want to really, you know, push on and make sure that they lock in that, that 2B win this year um, and become league champions. And I suppose they're looking at this on, on this weekend as, you know, it's not a deal breaker for them and not. They'll, they'll know that they can continue to build over the next year or two and really, really, really mount a serious challenge over the next couple of seasons to win the intermediate. Whereas I think St. Paul's, there's probably more pressure on them to try, to try and get through this and, and to set themselves up you know, for a, probably a, maybe a crack at, at one of their Bergen rivals over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and Kerkrup on their team, we've obviously talked about a lot. Um, that they're, they're a common team, um, great underage. Um, obviously they won that intermediate under 20s tournament last year the likes of Jack Cunningham Richard Keenan Tiernan Kelly Owen Woods they're all coming through that but the only concern is Peter and I'm sort of looking through the Kerr and team and then boys is all from midfield up and you're looking at the defence the defence is going to come up against Owen McConville and Andrew Mernon this weekend and is there concern there that you know College Land wouldn't have that top class forward the likes of Andrew Mernon Kerkrop and done well the whole college land eight points, but they're going to come up against a different level this week. And is there a concern there? Maybe they don't have the quality or they're an untested defence. Um, in terms of meeting somebody of that quality as Mernon. I think that's a fair comment, <clears throat> Sean. I think that's that's definitely a fair comment. I think what's important carry is they carry a sort of a, a mix um, between probably. Definitely a little bit more quality than maybe what Kerr Cruppen have faced this year. Uh, I'll lead to a, a good a good amount of physicality as well. Uh, like Sir Ryan Lawless are playing at number 11 and he had a good game last week. Um, and he would carry a bit of physicality and a good distributor of the ball and he's able to kick points from play as well. Plus an old McConville too. Um, you know, he seems to be in form and, you know, <laughs> they have good options there outside of outside of Vernon um, and with McCory at midfield it's given them a bit of a platform also so yeah I, I would that's you 
basis for maybe slightly favouring balls in this one is that they have more experience. They're probably a little bit further down the road in terms of their physicality. Uh, and of course, um, you know, Andrew gives them gives them a bit of you know wow factor up front. And is there a concern maybe for both teams coming into this Peter that they didn't get tested in the first round? I know the first round's all about getting through and you don't care how you do it if you have to scrape through it or win by 10 points, whatever it is, but both teams got through fairly easily. Um, Kier Kruppen beat College Lawn by three goals and St Paul's beat Tierno by six points, I think it was, in the end. Um, is there concern there that maybe you're coming into this quarterfinal cold and it's it's maybe not the best preparation or are you just happy to be there and see what happens? Uh, yeah, well, I think St Paul's have had their first year already this year of, of games where they've been Predictions is going to lie heavily on the same the same topic as last week, Peter. That if Andrew Mernon can can be the star of the show or have a good game, St Paul's going to be hard stopped at this level. And as you say, with Owen McConville up alongside him, you'd imagine that St Paul's just have enough to see this one out. Yes, definitely one to look forward to, and as I said at the start, that one's on Armagh TV um, on Sunday at 3.30. And again, thank you to Focus Strength and Conditioning in Lurgan for sponsoring the preview of that game for us. And also on Sunday is maybe the game of the week. Peter, I don't know how you feel about that um, on Sunday evening at 6pm. This one's also on Armagh TV in the Athletic Grounds. This is Clan Gale and Clan Moore. Um, both teams maybe didn't fulfil their potential, you would say, in the first round, but still got through, and that's what it's all about, getting through to this quarter-final. Oh, yeah. Clans, uh, look, they'll... Just this time last week, if you'd, have, if you'd have told them that they would just get over the line no more against Shane Reeves and not play particularly well and have loads to work on, and sort of maybe dumping a wee bit of hype about them and that, they would have talked about all day. So, yeah, look, they'll be... They, listen, the pressure's all on them this weekend because... Uh, you know, Lonegale and Clawmore in Championship football ordinarily you're 
that that can only go one way, really. Um, that said, Tom Moore have, have really, really hit the ground running. Um, we had spurred about them working hard, working through a good system. Um, that was definitely in evidence against the Tones. And the, you know, their tackling's good. Um, defensively, they're, they're not coughing up much. Um, defenders back there that want to defend. Um, I, I would just think maybe from a transition point of view, you'd be worried that, that they wouldn't be wouldn't be getting enough scores um, maybe to go any further in the championship than, 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 than where they are now. Um, you know, they were at three points on the board for a long period last week's game. Uh, and certainly, if, if that was repeated this week, then the fans would, would have the job done long before long before they were a chance to get back into it. So, they're definitely coming up against a step up this week in terms of what they're facing to be. They're, they're playing a team that definitely has his aims on, on getting to one beat. So, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult for them this week. And obviously, you touched on up their, their scoring. Um, they only had three points and then James Grimley sort of come up and changed the game with two goals. Um, I suppose, tell us a bit about his role. Peter, you seen that game last week. Is he playing wing half-back so lead to attack, or is he an out-and-out defender that just happened to break forward? I know Grimley had been playing centre half forward for them for a few years. Is what is his role within the team? Is it um, to break at pace on the counter attack, or is he there to defend as well? It's quite interesting, um, Sean. There seems to be more sort of um, role reversals now in, in, in modern day football, where you have maybe traditional forwards playing deeper in the field and traditional maybe more defensive-minded players lining out higher in the field, but with sort of alternating roles, so you line out higher in the field, but your main job is to maybe curb the threat of an opposition player going forward or to build their back and mark space. And alternatively, then you have more creative players lining out in the half-back line because they're facing the play, they get on a lot of loose ball, maybe sometimes they're, they're, they're a direct opponent, drifts and drops back and the force the player more space, and then that's when that then creative player can hurt the opposition going forward, coming late on the moves, lots of holes in the fences. So I think maybe there's a wee element of that um, and, and how they set up with uh, James Grimley. You know, for example, that James Grimley playing um, at half-back and, and they had Rory Cunningham, who would traditionally be a half-back playing at half-forward. So there was a wee bit of a, a reversal there. Um, he had a big impact on the game, um, definitely coming down the street in the last 10 or 15 minutes. He, he really helped, you know, swing the momentum and swing the tide. And you know, to be fair to Tom Moore, they had they had broke the momentum of the tones long before they scored the goal. I mean, I think I think they were just starting to get on top before the last water break, and then after that, it was it was mostly one way of traffic then. So, and they didn't score their goal until maybe five or six minutes out from the end. So they had already got on top. They'd missed a few chances. And um, they were they, they, they were definitely coming strong in the game. It was probably just going to be a case of would the clock see the tones or not, and in the end of it didn't. And obviously, when you're talking about individual players in each team, you're looking at the Clan McGill team and you're going to pick out Supi Campbell, obviously. Um, and we spoke last week that he made his comeback last um, Friday evening against Shane O'Neill's. He hadn't played any league game. Um, he now is that 60 minutes under his belt. He's coming in against Clan Moore. They've got to be concerned about him, Peter. I mean, he's one of the best forwards in the county. He's going to cause trouble. Could you see Brendan Donaghy maybe picking him up and going man-to-man with him? Or how do you see Clonmore reacting to the likes of Supi Campbell 
because we know against Sarsfields or sorry against Shane O'Neill's anyway, he played deeper than um, his number fourteen jersey would suggest. Um, Shane McParlin and Dermot Looney do most of the scoring inside. Um, so Stephen Campbell's going to be playing out around that centre half forward midfield earlier area. Is that where Donaghy plays, or is, do you see that match up happening? Yeah, yeah. Look, I would be concerned. I would, I would be concerned. I don't have, it's just a hunch, but I, I didn't get the feeling last week that, that Randy Donaghy was maybe moving at a hundred percent. Um, his his influence on the game in terms of like you know driving out the tones and things like that was was quite limited by his high standards. So there's maybe a concern there that he's maybe carrying an injury or he's just not a hundred percent. And certainly, a, 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 I wouldn't think that may go too well for him. Um, obviously he's their player with the most experience probably and he's probably their best equipped there to go toe to toe you know with Serbi uh, struggle to see really how, how Tromore are going to are going to limit the sort of array of options that the clans carry there um, up top you know it's one thing maybe detailing one or two men specifically to, to try and do a, a block out job or, or maybe dropping 13 or 14 players behind the ball consistently to try and soak it up, soak it up, soak it up. But, you know, listen, that only has um, a, a lifespan so long for, for an intermediate club team. And eventually, you know, the legs run out. It becomes very difficult. Once you turn the ball over to break out, to get up the field repeatedly to get enough scores to, to, to hold a link where you can get them back to front. And I, I just think whilst they will probably start the game in, in terms of looking to limit the impact and the damage that, that the fans better players up front can have on the game. I think as the game opens up the longer it goes on the more space they'll find and, and, and that's when it'll get really difficult I think for far more. And obviously a note from last week was that even though they weren't playing well and they were behind they still always had belief and still always had that drive to go and win the game and that's maybe going to be important this week that no matter how well the clans are playing and how much they're on top, Clonmore are always going to have that belief that they can still get a score or get a goal to keep them in the game. And I suppose when we're talking about predictions here, um, you're not only predicting clans to win this game, you're looking at them to win the championship, Peter, and that's that's what it's going to come down to. Clonmore are playing to get as far as they can in the championship, well, Clan de Gale obviously have their eyes on getting to senior next year and winning this sen- this intermediate championship. Absolutely, Sean. But, you know, look, I mean, if you're in Clan Moore's boots, you're in a great position. You're going into a quarter-fine game in the championship in the Atlantic rooms against one of the traditional, um, you know, big powers on football, you could say. And, you know, nobody's giving you really a prayer probably outside your own group. So it's, it's a great position to be in. There's zero pressure on them. Um, if they're if they're beat and they're beat well, maybe they will probably bat too much vanilla to it. If they can stop those um, and and do it done against the tones, then you just never know. But my hunch is though that fans carry too many options up front, too many players that can hurt you, and that's probably just what's what's going to make the difference. It can you know if you're starting to drift out two, three, four, five, six points behind and, and, and you don't really have enough to get up the field and, and you know, on the athletic grounds at the big enough field and, you know, it would just be my fear that the longer the game goes on, the more stressed it'll become and, and the more the fans can start to pinpoint, you know, one-on-ones and, and, and that's when I think that they'll, they'll probably start to pull away and, and, and maybe win by, by six to ten points. 
Well, I think last week um, I tipped um, Clawmore to get through their game with Wolf Tones. Um, and as I said, they're a team that's not only a team, a club that's doing great work on... Um, I'm not sure if you see them on social media. I tweeted during the week, Peter, about their Clonmore TV. And it's really, it's top quality. They do highlights, um, man of the match, score of the week. It's really top quality. And they are a club that is exciting and they're developing well. But they're probably just meeting a stronger team this week. And I can't tip them this week. I think Clannagale are going to come through this. And as you say, the longer the game goes on, the the bigger the score gets for Clonagale, it's going to be very tough for Clonmore to drag themselves back into this game. And I suppose just on a hop here note, they're in the quarterfinal, Peter. This is knockout. This is a one-off. Anything can happen. Yeah. Look, Sean, they're, they're in, as I was saying earlier, there's no pressure on them. They're, if there's boogie dogs, it would probably be pretty lengthy outsiders. But that said, it's one-off. You know, you've a lot of things to take into consideration. There's weather factors. There's discipline. I mean, if, if, if there's a couple of incidents in the game, potentially, on you know, one team was a man or two up or down. And what's happened last week, and they held their discipline well last week and they ended up with a two-mile advantage, then you just never know. But look, ultimately, it's it's probably a, a, you know, a club with, with, with quite modest means and, and resources who are really making the very most of what they have. And you always have to give that massive respect. But I just think right now where the two teams are at, you know, this, this is one that fans really need to be taken and taken well. Yeah, I think we're in agreement with that, Peter. And I think we're in for an exciting week of championship action. And of course, the junior championship is also on this week, and it's at the quarterfinal stage as well. Um, so as I said, three of them intermediate games will be in Armagh TV. That's Sarsfields and Tully Sarn, Kerr Cruppen and St Paul's, and Clonagale and Clonmore, all in Armagh TV. While Ballyhagen take on Katie on three on three o'clock on Saturday. Um, so thanks very much for joining us, Peter. We look forward to another good week. And I'll catch up with you next week again and we'll go through um, whoever comes through these four um, quarterfinals. Yeah, Sean, that should be a good weekend's football. And, um, yeah, the best things win. Thank you, Peter. The game changer slips inside.